Beer with Buffy is a retro-analytical love roast of Buffy the Vampire Slayer. If you'd like to support our show financially, you can find us on patreon.com slash beerwithbuffy. Don't forget to review us on iTunes if you like what you hear. I was told you were coming. The competition is a beautiful thing. We're Slayer's girlfriend, the chosen two. Why should we let him take off? Gosh, I'm feeling chipper. <laughs> Who's for a root beer? Jeez. I don't like vampires. We'll take a stand and say they're not good. Fucking fantastic. I love that sound. Uh, the ice cream bar is this way. Ooh, it always sounds good with Guinness. Good morning, campers. Who's ready to have a hell of a summer? <laughs> oh, it's been summer for a bit now, Josh. Salute your shorts. Welcome to Beer with Buffy. I'm Rex. I'm Josh. Today we are reviewing season three, episode eight, Lover's Walk. Episode eight? Holy <laughs> shit. No, seriously, holy shit. This is going by a lot faster than I really felt it should. I know, right? It probably <laughs> feels like forever for the rest of you. Anyway, Rex, are you ready to do a completely reactionary, ill-informed, layman perspective review of an episode of Buffy the Vampire Slayer? <laughs> I know I am. I got, I got nothing. <laughs> Try harder. I'm not the funny one. Think of a hard thing. Go on. Name a hard thing. And I just don't nothing, even... Don't even go for the low-hanging fruit. Nothing I can think of is remotely appropriate. How about a coconut? Let's go with a coconut. Try like a coconut. What do you put the lime in? A coconut. There you go. <laughs> what does coconut have anything to do with anything? It's hard. You're trying harder. Oh, God. So you're trying like a hard thing. All right, fine. Just try like a cock already. <laughs> I'm going to beat you with a hard thing. Try like an erect cock. Is that what you were trying to think <laughs> no. of, Rex? Is that all that you think about? A nice ass. Ooh, a nice, <laughs> firm, supple. Yeah. Fruit. <laughs> grapes. I'm going to find the most solid thing in this apartment and beat you to death with it. Melons. I got a board over there. Avocados. I got a metal bar around here somewhere. Speaking mm. of metal bars. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's not till the end of the episode. Right. <laughs> anyway, how about a mom synopsis? Let's get this show on the road. Oh, my. <laughs> what are you doing, Joshua? <laughs> I see you starting the episode a bit earlier than normal. Yeah, well, I got sick of editing a lot. What can I say? You always were a quitter. <laughs> Everybody always said he won't go very far. And I disagreed with them just because. But I knew they were right. <laughs> Thanks, Mom. Do you mean you didn't want me to go to college? Well, I told you I wanted you to go to college. But I never really thought you'd do it. <laughs> Which is why I make fun of you now that you have a degree. Yeah, I noticed. Thanks for talking me out of 80 grand of debt. So what's happening in Buffy the Vampire Slayer, Josh? I see Spike is back, and he seems to be best friends with Joyce. Yeah, funny. Funny you mention that. All right, well, for fuck's sake. So Buffy does really well on her SAT scores, like almost unrealistically well, especially considering how much studying she misses on a regular basis, but like genius level SAT score levels. So Joyce is all excited about sending Buffy to college. Giles is even like, well, uh, maybe Faith can just take over for you, like Joyce suggested like a season ago. But then Spike shows back up 
and fucks up everybody's day because he misses Drew. And it's amazing. <laughs> it's the best thing. <laughs> yeah. And then everybody learns a lesson. And uh, we got our spikety spike back. Again. I was just saying last episode, God, I miss Spike. Yeah. Yeah. And no one's happy. Except <laughs> Spike. Except for Spike. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> I just love the family circus. That, that, that EJ. Voice talent. That, that, that yeah, EJ. Longer than you can imagine. Everyone, everyone, everyone's a win, win, winner, winner, winner. Never have the chance. Never have the chance. Everyone's a winner. That's sunshine and roses. It really is. Cold open. So yeah, cold open. We're outside the school. Yeah. I was worried this episode was going to suck. <laughs> Me too. Oh man, I was so scared. <laughs> like based on the image on IMDb, it was like, oh God. It started off so lame. I feel a dramatic reading coming on. It looked like <laughs> it looked like it was going to be a primarily angel brooding kind of episode. Right. But it wasn't. It was but the best thing. But it's not. Anyway. so much better. Anyway. Anyway. Open on Willow and Xander walking together outside of the school. They're talking about SAT scores. Shame Willow, on them. Willow is super sad and upset because she got a 740 out of 800 <laughs> on her, her reading portion. Okay, yeah. I figured that had to be one of the lesser scores because I had to look up how SAT scores work. I honestly have no fucking clue what I scored on the SATs. I never took the SATs, so I don't I have no idea. And I have no idea how... I had no idea at the time how the scores worked or anything. So I'm guessing that means I probably did really shitty. So back in the late 90s, apparently there were only two sections of the SATs. There was what was called the visual, which is what Willow's talking about here. And okay. then there's the math. Sure. The visual is reading comprehension. Yeah. Or verbal. Sorry. She calls it verbal, and that's reading comprehension. Okay. I don't know why they call it verbal. Makes no sense to me, but it's the reading section. Sure. So it's only reading and math. So at this point in time, the SATs are 1,600 points total. Mm-hmm. 800 for verbal, yeah. 800 for math. Yeah. She got a 740 out of 800. And she's upset about that. Uh, yeah. Okay, but then compare that to Buffy's total score, which was like 1,450. More than likely, I think Willow scored higher than Buffy. Mm-hmm. Because it's Willow, but everyone expects Willow to score super fucking high, sure. so that makes perfect sense. Okay, but anyway, Buffy did a fuck ton better than she was expecting or anybody expected. Hold on, before Buffy comes into the scene, though, uh, oh yeah, Cordy and Oz show up. Well, so Xander's sitting there, and he's like, like they're taking up the smallest amount of space on this bench that two people can possibly take up. Yeah. And he's rubbing her back and they're like all cuddly like. And exactly at that moment, Oz and Cordelius come up behind them. Have you noticed for the last several episodes, Oz and Cordy apparently spending a lot of time around each other? Yeah. Just so they can both walk up at the same time? What's the story there? <laughs> and like, there's really no scenes... That we've had thus far where it's just Oz and Cordy, yeah, except I, for later in this episode. Yeah, you're kind of right. but the, It's yeah, weird. They travel together a lot, but they don't seem to have any kind of rapport. They're like carpooling commuters. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. But no, uh, get a good couple of lines here. Uh, Oz and Cordy walk up. Xander gives Oz the, the situation with Willow being upset about her 740. Uh, he looks at her scores and he says... 
you know, something like, oh, says, I see why you're upset. He says, I can see why you're upset. That was my sarcastic voice. And Xander says, sounds a lot like your regular voice. I've been told that. Yeah. Here's the thing about this, Josh. That's you. I also have resting <laughs> sarcastic voice. I can't help it. There are legitimate times where I have to ask you, I are you being sarcastic? I can't tell. I've hung around you for going on eight years now, and there are times I still can't fucking tell. Well, I'm really not sure, okay? <laughs> but no, in all seriousness... You do have resting sarcastic voice. And no, I just always sound sarcastic. <laughs> I guess. Jesus. But it's it's a pretty good fucking line. It's the quintessential Oz Zen response, and I loved it. Mm-hmm. But then Buffy shows up, shows her scores a 1430 out of 1600, which is pretty fucking goddamn good. Mm-hmm. Everybody's pretty elated about that. Oz suggests that they celebrate. And uh, Xander's like, oh, we should double date. And Cordy's like, no. I'm like, come on, Cordelia. Why you got to be such a buzzkill? Aren't these your friends yet? Um, I did look up uh, what, because I wanted to understand how good a 1430 is. Yeah. So. Well, out of 1600. Right. But it specifically is in what's considered the 96th percentile, which means she did better than 96% of the people who take that fucking test. Oh, that's how that works. Okay. Yeah, that's where she is on the on the fucking bell curve. Yeah. She's way over here on the bell curve where we usually are when we do time trials on Mario Kart. <laughs> right? Yeah. <laughs> so, <laughs> not wasting anything any of our potential whatsoever. But, but no, the I what I gathered was the way the scores are set up. It's meant for the average to fall around 1,000. So 1,400 is really fucking good. Yeah. There was a line earlier when <laughs> Xander was saying that, oh, you know, your 740 means you're the village idiot. Even though, and he mentions how it's pretty comparable to what his overall score was for the SATs. <laughs> yeah. And so Xander didn't do well on his SATs, apparently. No. Probably around about where I was. Nobody ever fucking told me what my SAT scores were. Or if they did show them to me, I had no fucking clue what I was looking at. But Cordy is actually pretty excited for Buffy. She doesn't sound like it. She's got resting sarcastic voice, too. Yes, she does. Did you get her quote? <laughs> I didn't get everything, but she basically says, you can get out of Sunnydale. Because what kind of moron would want to come back here? As Spike blows through the fucking Sunnydale sign again and saves my goddamned life. You beautiful, beautiful bleach blonde bastard. Yeah. Cut to scene, nighttime, blows through the Sunnydale sign like you said, falls out of his car, drunk off his ass. Blitzed out of his gourd. I just wrote in big caps, enter Spike, yay! <laughs> well, and I fucking love how... They they reenacted the original Spike entrance scene. <laughs> Except he's drunk off his Except ass. Except he's fucking blitzed. And it's amazing. He stands up. He's like, home sweet home. Yeah. Uh, we do not in any way condone drunk driving. Oh, God, no. Even if you're a vampire, that's still dangerous. I've actually um, destroyed friendships with people solely because of drunk driving yes you should beer with buffy responsibly thank you yes opening sequence 
And so it looks like we're back in the old lair, which is the factory, right? Yeah. Um, he's wandering through the burnt out factory. Um, I thought he was singing Sinatra. He was. But he's actually singing what I think was a punk cover of a Sinatra song. Well, sure. But I mean, when Spike is singing it, isn't that a Spike cover of Sinatra? But in the end of the scene... Yeah, no, I know. But he's, for all intents and purposes, he's singing Sinatra. He's singing My Way. He's singing the lyrics from My Way. It's the same tune. Okay, okay. All right. But yeah, going through the husk of the burnt out lair, Drew apparently left him. And he's sad about it. He's violently sad about it. (laughs) Yeah. He vamps out. He starts breaking shit. That's mostly it. Uh, Although, honestly, I could watch him do that for hours. (laughs) (laughs) Hours? Wow. That's, uh, Jesus, infatuated much? No, my life is just really boring. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, not that there's anything wrong with that. (laughs) So. Ladies, gentlemen, spiny-headed little creatures. As soon as the sun goes down, down, down. Uh, Xander and Willow. No, we'll cut to Cordy and Xander. Well, okay, but you know, throughout this whole scene, we get to see you know Xander and Cordelia and Willow and Oz, yeah. and uh, Xander and Willow get to see how big a pieces of shit they are yeah. as their current significant others do really, really cute relationshipy oh things. Oh my god! So- Almost seemingly as if it's specifically to demonstrate the sincerity of their affection right. and make them feel extra guilty. So opens with. Xander and Cordy at Cordy's locker. This is when Xander learns that she has pictures of them from the pier. Yeah. Super cutesy. These are coupley, like, oh my heart pictures. Yeah. And on top of that, that's just super fucking flattering. Yeah. To know that somebody else is hoarding pictures of you. Yeah. And he's like, I didn't know I was locker worthy. And it's like, dude, <laughs> she has she has big capital F fucking feelings for you. Yeah. You asshole. Yeah. And this isn't the first time we've gotten signs of this either. No. Well, the, their last breakup when she was still wearing his necklace. Yeah. But tried to make it seem like and she there, left it in her locker. And there have been a half a dozen different things that have happened that just little little great, beautiful hints that this is a big fucking deal for her. Mm-hmm. And then they run into Oz and Willow. And then Oz and Willow have their moment. They pass each other. Willow goes to her locker, which is like right next to Cordelia's, it seems. Anyway, Oz gives her a present. She opens it. It's like wrapped in newspaper or some shit. And it's a, it's a little witch head Pez dispenser. And she's... Yeah. She just flips her shit over it. She's like, oh my God, we need to get you a, a, a werewolf head Pez dispenser, and he's like, I don't think they have those, and I call bullshit because they got to. I, if They've they have a to. if they have a cartoony witch Pez dispenser, there's a fucking werewolf Pez dispenser, yeah. even in ninety fucking nine or eight or whichever this was. Ninety eight. It, it must be ninety eight because they just had Slayer Fest ninety eight. The moment with Cordy and, and Xander really sink in deep, but this line really does more than every fucking aspect oh, I remember of now. Cordy and Xander. Yeah. Because Willow goes, oh, I don't have anything to give you. And Oz just light hand on her shoulder and says, yeah, you do. And then walks away. 
stab, twist. Right. Oh, and the look on her face. She knows. (laughs) Oh, my God. (laughs) What do you think he meant specifically by that? Just her being her. Oh, yeah. Just her being her in his life. And just the magic that is her in his life, dude. Yeah, I was thinking like, hey, remember that record I lent you? And you could really give that back. <laughs> no, no, he's, he's very much like Oz is a Zen stoic individual and he is feeling feelings. She has made his heart melt and he is feeling feelings. Capital F. Mm-mm. Oh, honey. Oh, it's harsh, man. Oh, baby. So we cut to the library. Library. And so Giles confirms all of her worst fears. That her mother was right about something. Right. And that uh, she should stop slaying, which I think she likes slaying a lot more than she lets on. Otherwise, she'd be all over this college shit. Because it doesn't seem like it was that long ago that she would have completely agreed with her mother saying, you need to be off at a normal college with fucking keggers and boys. I do want to say, though, that the tone that Giles has... And the kind of points he brings up hint at his motivation for encouraging this is better and different than everyone else's. Okay. So here's the problem with sending Buffy away. Buffy is by far the better slayer. Yeah. You are really, really hampering the protection of humanity by sending Buffy away from the Hellmouth. Sure. But it's very obvious that Giles believes that Buffy getting a proper education and everything could make her better and make her a greater asset to humanity just by her knowing more and being more educated and even being that much better of a slayer because he specifically mentions how it would be a temporary thing. Sure. He definitely does not seem to feel like you just go off and do that and... Uh, Faith is just the Slayer now, and that's that. I was kind of like, so wait, so you're you're fine with Faith not getting an education, and it, obviously Faith has no aspirations of getting any kind of education. She's cool with just being the Slayer and being a badass and partying. Yeah. And occasionally being super broody. But if Buffy... But yeah, no, he sees fuck tons of potential in yeah, her. Yeah, because she's shown multiple times now that she can handle some of the research aspect of things, too. Oh, yeah. And she's... Well, I mean... Ob- she's so, obviously smart. So, I mean, Xander can handle research aspects for that matter, but... But she's proven that not only can she go off and kill things effectively, but she can strategize effectively. She can plan effectively, and she can find the right information in a quick manner to solve these elaborate whodunit sort of fucking situations. Yeah, she's damn good. That's why there's a TV show about her. She's the best. My point being, if she goes and gets an education, and this is what I think Giles is thinking, she can be even better than she already is. That would be fucking monumental. That would be neat. Yes. <laughs> That'd be great. Yeah. So... Just a couple specifics in this scene. I thought it was funny. Giles is like, uh, he hands her back her scores. He says, uh, I suspect your mother will want to put this on the refrigerator. I have her line. You have his line. All right. She goes, yeah, she saw these scores and her head spun around and exploded. Uh, I've been on the hell mouth too long. That that was a metaphorical, yes? Yes. (laughs) (laughs) 
Yeah, so that... Oh, his facial expression was perfect. He, was he so totally confused. believed that it was real. Oh, can, poor confused Giles. Anyway. <laughs> uh, so, Giles agrees that Buffy should look for a good college. Yeah, Faith should take over for a minute and blah, blah, blah. Uh, so, just before the scene ends, Giles expresses a little bit of concern that Buffy might go see Angel, which she does intend to, and but she assures him that they're just friends and nothing's going to happen. They're not friends. <laughs> they're not they're considerably <laughs> more than friends more before we go on to the next scene i do want to ask you a question uh what is your opinion of uh xander's line in the previous scene about nothing being classier than bowling yes how classy is bowling is bowling classy? Oh, very. No, there's nothing classy about bowling. <laughs> and I've been a bowler since I was like eight fucking years old. There's nothing classy about it. If there's anything that illustrates for you how unclassy bowling is, it's why Willow thinks it's sexy. Oh, the smoke and the sweat and the other people's shoes. We'll get there. Dig this. Dig this. Sorry, you has a so it was a fun cut from the library just as uh, Buffy says nothing's gonna happen Willow says something's gonna happen but not referring to the same situation yeah but also very much referring to the same situation it's a way of the writers telling us two things at one time this is when we actually get the scene of Willow going on and on about bowling. She's really upset about getting this Pez dispenser. She feels super guilty about making out with Xander. As she should. So, do you yes. have her quote is, it's a very intimate situation. It's all sexy with the smoke and sweating and shoe rental. And Xander says, wait, you're turned on by rented shoes? <laughs> well, that's not the issue. <laughs> <laughs> they're worried about how they stop doing it. How, and, how they're going to stop. Well, because they're worried about being able to stay off from each other while they're around their significant others. I have been a teenage boy. Yeah. Full of hormones. Yep. I never had trouble not leaping on yeah, somebody. I don't even know how to phrase it. Sure. It, like <sighs> Not dogpiling onto. I mean, did you have a girlfriend in high school, though? Yeah. Okay. A couple. I didn't. <laughs> I had a girlfriend in middle school. That was my first kiss. I mean, we never did anything outside of that, but never had a girlfriend in high school, though. I, I kind of any, almost did. I didn't have any really long-term or strong relationships. Oh, but, fuck, who does? But, <laughs> no, I... And there were there were girls that I flirted with and had things with and whatnot, but I never had that much problem controlling my fucking urges. Yeah, no, I agree. But uh, this, this is a weird situation. They've they've both gotten a taste of a somewhat stable relationship. And now they're getting this other... They're getting their first taste of forbidden love. Which is also combined with Willow's... With Willow still kind of wanting to gratify that unrequited love. Yeah. And Xander getting his first taste of... I could have had that, but I missed my opportunity, and I toyed with it for too long, and it got away. So, I get Willow's standpoint a little better than I get 
Xander's standpoint. I agree. For lack of a better word for it, Willow's feelings about the situation are a little bit more pure than Xander's yes. feelings about the situation. I'll, I agree. Xander's motivation here is really about getting his cake and eating it too. Yeah, sure. Willow's feelings about this situation are legitimately having feelings for two different people and they're two very different sorts of feelings that are counterintuitive to each other. I think just because we find his motivations less pure doesn't make his motivations any less potent. True. And his is just more lust and sexual. Sure. Hers is far more emotional and and I think there's some emotional on his end too because they are longtime friends, but also I think he's just got a lot of patriarchal dogma weighing on him. Yeah, true. That says, oh yeah, you gotta fuck that just because you can. If you don't, you're a fag kind of shit. Yeah. I want to go on record if it isn't clear. Fuck that shit. Yeah, no, seriously. Though. We were just talking today of the, the whole problem with men can't feel feelings because it makes us gay bullshit. Mm-hmm. And fuck that. Oh, I hate that so much. <laughs> yeah, it's garbage. But yeah, before we get way too into the weeds, let's, so let's move the fuck anyway, out. So anyway, bowling, bowling, bowling. They can't keep off of each other during the bowling. They're worried about being able to resist each other because bowling is so sexy. <laughs> okay. Oh, my God. And so they're, they're in the fucking, like, courtyard area. Yeah. And they're, like, two inches away from each other's face. Way out in the open. Yeah. He's like, look, we're just good friends who like to hang out. And can I kiss your earlobe? She's like, no. Well, Okay. No! Pez! And she holds the Pez dispenser up to his face. Like a cross yes. against a vampire. Exactly, exactly <laughs> like a cross at a vampire. And I'm like, holy shit, they're really getting reckless. Really way up in the butthole, Morty. Well, that kind of reckless. And the whole thing, the whole fucking scene, Xander's like pawing at her hair. Yeah! I'm like, goddamn, even if... Oz and Cordelia don't see you. They have friends who know your situation. I've been in a situation where I had strong feelings for a person, and it is difficult to to ignore that, but it is not impossible to be like, no, we're in public. I should not do that. What the fuck? Yeah. So just wrapping up the scene and a little bit of foreshadowing as to what's to come later in the episode, Xander says, uh, I wish I wasn't so attracted to you. I wish we could make it all stop. And Willow says, any suggestions? Wink, wink. Okay, not really a wink, wink moment. But dun, dun, dun. a somehow suggestive, but we're not sure in what way moment. Cut to Buffy's house. Joyce, her entire motivation with this same fucking talk we've had twice now. Yeah. About Buffy getting the fuck out of Sunnydale. Yeah. Is I want you to get the fuck out of Sunnydale so you can stop being the Slayer. Yeah. It's very selfish. It's because she can't control her worry. Yep. Which has always been one of the most bothersome motivations. It, it's just controlling at that point when people yeah. are like, you need to call me when you get there. And I'm like, no, I fucking don't. 
Tell you what, if I'm dead, you'll get a call from the police. <laughs> Maybe. I do like Buffy, the way she describes this is she says, yeah, Faith could be Miss Sunnydale in the Slayer pageant. <laughs> well, and that just put an image of Faith as like <laughs> miss anything and that just does not compute man yeah uh, she's definitely not the girly girl type that's all i got from this scene joyce being super selfish yeah no you're absolutely right and the slayer pageant thing and then joyce says i mean honestly is there anything keeping you here cut to angel in the mansion I looked up the book that he's reading, which, by the way, is written in French. Oh, what book was it? I apologize to any French listeners here. Uh Uh-oh. I don't speak French. I can't pronounce French shit. I know we have... I can barely pronounce fucking English words. I know we have one French listener, so... Right? Get ready. It's... I don't remember your name, but we (laughs) need a voicemail from you. The number is 269... 743-0783, please correct the shit out of what's about to just happen. Yes. The book's title is Les (laughs) Nausiers. I know, that's awful. By Jean-Paul Sartre? Sartre? Let let me translate. Les Nausiers. But it is... By by who again? uh, Jean-Paul... Jean-Paul. Sartre. Sartre. Um, I'm... God, it, is, it is actually I'm a bad person. I'm sorry. Um, an interesting philosophical novel mm-hmm. about a protagonist who becomes convinced that inanimate objects encroach upon his ability to define himself. Oh, dear. And I kind of want to read it after looking up some information about the philosophical questions that it arises. And I'm probably wrong here because I don't dabble in ph- philosophy that much anymore. Well, I guarantee it, Rex. Uh, but strikes me as kind of counterpoint to the whole Tyler Durden (laughs) thing of defining ourselves by the things that we have. Okay. It's interesting. I liked the fact that they had him reading a French philosophical novel. I liked that they had him reading a book in French, Mm -hmm. which... I highly doubt David Boreanaz can can read French. He can't hardly do a fucking Irish accent. <laughs> right. I, like, I didn't even think about the book. I was like, that is not nearly enough light to read a book by. Just the firelight there. To be fair, though, where he's from, or sorry, when he's from, he's used to reading in those sort of circumstances. Sure. Also, he's a vampire, and any amount of light is going to be magnified at least ten times. Oh, yeah. He's got to like have dark vision and shit. Yeah, exactly. But Spike is actually spying on him. And how the fuck did he know that Angel was alive? He, did he just decide to go back to the manor and just get lucky? Well, because that was his last lair. I guess, yeah. As well, when Angelus was still Angelus. That's where all the shit went down. <laughs> this, this scene, though, is fucking excellent. <laughs> because Spike is talking shit at Angel... From a distance where Angel cannot hear. I couldn't believe Angel couldn't hear him, honestly. But, okay, whatever. Angel didn't hear him. But he passes out drunkenly. Yeah, you better walk away. Yeah, you think I'm scared (laughs) of you? 
You know, fucking kill you. <laughs> Trips into a fucking fountain, passes out, wakes up that morning as the sun sets his hand on fire. Uh huh. And the, and the first place he goes is his car. Well, it's the nearest place that isn't Angel's Manor to hide from the sun. Okay, yeah, I guess it is still kind of Angel's Manor, but I was like, this used to be your lair. Don't you know of a good dark spot to hang out for the day? Probably just doesn't want to get fucking caught stuck at the manor. Yeah, I guess that makes sense. I, I figured, okay, you might as well be mobile in your car, but I can't imagine being stuck in a hot fucking car all day is any more fun for a vampire than it is for a person. It, this brings up the physiological aspects of being a vampire again, though. Yeah. Because he is awake all fucking day. Yeah. And he somehow makes it into the shop in just a minute. But, I mean, he made it into his car. He can just, like, put a thing over his head, I guess. His coat or and whatever. He Spike actually spends more time around during the day than any other vampire in the fucking series. Right. And because there's multiple times I remember in the future that he like shows up at places having his coat over his fucking head and you know smoking, sure, but not like actually smoking, smoking. Yeah, but yeah, yeah he's yeah. on fire, smoking, steaming, right? Or, yeah, uh, but emitting smoke. It begs the question of like, do they sleep because they just don't have anything to fucking do during the day? No, I think it begs the question of. They have pain receptors. We know this. He does feel pain from the sunlight. Yeah. Um. How does he not feel pain from general heat? Like, I'm still stuck on him being stuck in the car. And a fucking car, blacked out windows, I bet it gets fucking hot in there. Boiling. <laughs> fucking boiling. So, like, at least 200 degrees. And then we cut to... Another ma- a different magic shop than the one we've seen previous, and it's a different magic shop than the one that they end up owning later. <laughs> so that's at least three in this town. Three magic shops. Well, ah. they have fucking 12 cemeteries. They probably have a dozen fucking yeah. magic shops. Count them. Three. Three <laughs> magic shops. Ah. 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 <laughs> oh, great. Now we're going to start bringing the fucking... The Muppets? Or Sesame Street. Sesame Street into this? God yeah. damn. Fucking... I don't see why not. You want to go pissed out? Pissed off everyone else. We may as well. <laughs> you wanna? You wanna go out for Halloween as Bert and Ernie, Rex? I think we should. No. Do you want to be Bert or Ernie? People make enough gay jokes about us. I think you should be Bert. Actually, no, I should be Bert. Which one is the taller, skinny one? That's Bert. Yeah. Okay, then yeah, obviously you're Bert. <laughs> well, I don't like it when you eat cookies in the goddamn bed. <laughs> anyway. <laughs> Uh, so anyway, he's in the shop and he's looking for a curse and he's like, I, I want to put boils on his face, big, gross, leaking boils or some shit. And the shop lady is like, uh, I'm hearing a lot of negative energy and I bet leprosy, leprosy, a, a spell that makes his parts fall off. That sounds proper. Oh, Spike, I missed you so much. And her response is. We don't carry leprosy. <laughs> Hashtag career goals. <laughs> right. I want to have to say that someday. <laughs> but this is interesting enough. Willow shows up. Uh-huh. Spike's hiding in the back of the store. Willow never notices him. Yeah. Which he's not hiding very well. She's fucking <laughs> blind. Right. But Willow's there to get an anti-lust spell. Generally supplies for a... 
a love spell, but I think she's putting her own spin on it, kind of. Right. Doing a love spell, but backwards, by yeah. the sounds of it. Basically. And it costs her like $15 and yeah. some change for some now, stuff. I took a screen cap and I sent this image to you. Did you actually look at it? Yes. The image I sent you was the thing hanging on the shelf. It was half the fucking frame. It was boobs. When it tur- when it sh- it looks back at Spike, it looks like a sculpture that's hanging on the wall of Maleficent without her top on. Huh. This is fucking prime TV, cable TV, and those are bare boobs. And I found that hilarious. And it shows up in like four scenes. They were stylized, Rex. Still, it it surprised me. Do you spend a lot of time thinking about evil Disney queens naked? No. Why not? Just when they show up on late 90s television. Fair enough. (laughs) So the shop lady goes back to help out Spike after Willow leaves and uh, he vamps out immediately. And he's like, forget the book. I just got a better idea. And he eats her. Yep. Yes, it's time to listen. The good guys are always stalwarts and true. The bad guys are easily distinguished by their pointy horns or black hats. We always defeat them and save the day. No one ever dies and everybody lives happily ever after. Liar. Cut to the mayor's office. (laughs) And the mayor wants to sell his soul for a better short game. But he's already sold his soul, so that's too late. He just needs a, a Meeseeks box. <laughs> right? It's <laughs> uh, a Rick and Morty reference for those of you who hate Rick and Morty. Have you ever tried to relax? <laughs> it's an oxymoron. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I would ruin my life if I got a Meeseeks box. <laughs> we all would. <laughs> I mean... But my house would be clean. <laughs> <laughs> right? <laughs> Dude, I mean, you could just blow one Meeseeks for doing the dishes every day. Oh my god, that would be awesome. It would be amazing, wouldn't it? They'd do them so fast and so well. Yeah. Oh my god. So anyway, <laughs> the mayor is telling his assistant, oh, we had a spike problem, eh? Yeah, whatever, send Mr. Trick or uh, committee or something to handle it. The committee. He calls it the committee. Yeah, it's a pretty throwaway scene, really. Yeah. But my favorite bit with the whole thing is he specifically says of Spike that that loose cannon will rock the boat. And then he (laughs) starts questioning the origins of these phrases. And he says, well, cannons were on boats and a loose cannon would rock the boat. He's not wrong. No. And I wonder if these two phrases are actually tied to each other. And I couldn't find any definitive answer on this. I mean, if it is a mixed metaphor, it's the most accurate and likely proper mixed metaphor ever to happen. And a mixed metaphor that I'm going to use in the future. As you absolutely should. Cut to the mansion. So this is when Angel and Buffy are having the same conversation about her SAT scores in college. Yeah, it was like the third fucking time this episode. Maybe fourth. (sighs) Fourth. Yeah. If you count the first interaction with the Scooby game. With the, yeah. And so she's like, what do you think I should do? And he's like, I think you should leave. And she's like, okie dokie. Yeah. And so she fucking leaves. And so she, and he's like, where are you going? You just got here. It's <laughs> like, well. You told her to fuck off. There it is. Be as, careful what you wish for, as, Angel. As we all know, <laughs> one tells Buffy to fuck off and Buffy fucks off. <laughs> no joke. <laughs> I I find that to be an admirable quality. Yes. 
I definitely wish I knew more people in my daily life that could just understand the quality of fucking off. <laughs> yeah, no, it's always the people that you want to leave the most that just never will. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, my God. I could for name instance, so many names. <laughs> for instance, Buffy. God, he really wants her to stay, but you accidentally clicked that crank in the wrong direction one notch and yeah. she's gone. She's out of there. Yeah. You turn you turned the knob. You made that choice. Now you got to reset the whole combination. Yeah. You got to spin that thing around at least 3 times. Crank the arm and everything. It's it's a whole process. It's a whole Rube Goldberg device. God damn. <laughs> they really do make things simpler these days. <laughs> you just push a button. Yeah. <laughs> well, it's simpler for the user anyway. Exactly. Giggity. Cut to the high school chemistry lab. That is correct. Willow is doing a spell, but doesn't want Xandra to know that she's doing the spell. Which is probably smart. Kind of. It's it's also a bit shady. But they're kudos. Kudos to Xander here. Because of the previous encounter with a love spell, he... sees and recognizes what is on the table. Yeah, he, get, he very rightfully on two points here is like, uh, wait, 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 wait. You know exactly my uh, track record with love spells, first of all, because of that episode where every girl in school fell in love with him except the one that who he was, wanted to. Also, do we really need to resort to the black arts to keep our hormones in check? And the answer to that should fucking well be No. Yeah. Yeah. My faith in Willow as a person in this episode is really shook. She's thinking very left-brained in this moment, and she's upset, and she's confused. She's She's in love with Oz, and she's still in love with Xander. I don't blame her at all for falling back on this new thing that's been very good for her to get into and trying to use that as the answer. I yeah. I don't see that as a point against her at all. And She's a teenager in love having yeah. a really hard fucking time. So Xander, like, I think they left the lights off in this scene and Xander complained about it a couple times, specifically yeah. to give him a reason to walk over to the door. Yeah. Well, and she's trying to set the mood for the spell, which, you know, kind of, that might matter for, depending on how magic works. It they could don't have really possibly. outline that. It could have. Uh, but Spike shows up. Yeah. Grabs it, Xander. Which legitimately surprised me. I was like, oh, shit. That right? escalated quickly. I guessed that he had some sort of plan for Willow. But I didn't expect it to pan out this way. Yeah. Obviously, he had a plan for Willow based on him seeing her in the shop. But yeah, I didn't expect her to. Ki- I didn't expect him to kidnap her and force her to do a spell. But yeah, he shows up, wants Willow to do the spell, cut to the warehouse where he explains to her that he wants her to do the spell. Well, after he clocked Xander really fucking hard yeah. with a trophy that... Willow tried to knock him out with, and I was like, oh, God, he's going to be lucky if he lives through that. Yeah. And frankly, the wound on Xander's head that we see later confirms that. Season three, they had a much better makeup budget than they did in season one and two. He's got he ends up having this massive speech with Willow 
And because he's like, it's very much a hostage situation at first, (laughs) but then he just breaks down and sits next to her and just pours his big, evil, stupid heart out to her. I have part of his quote here. He says, I gave her everything. Beautiful jewels, beautiful dresses with beautiful girls in them. (laughs) But nothing made her happy. (laughs) (laughs) Uh I well, what made me start writing this whole speech down was she wouldn't even kill me. She just left. She didn't even care enough to cut my head off or set me on fire. I mean, is it too much to ask, you know, some little sign that she cared? It was that truce with Buffy that did it. Drew said I'd gone soft. I wasn't demon enough for the likes of her. I told her it didn't mean anything. I was thinking of her the whole time. <laughs> and she didn't care. So so we got to Brazil and she was just different. Okay, and yeah, and later he's like, oh, and she would flirt. I caught her on a park bench making out with a chaos demon. Have you ever seen a chaos demon? They're all slime and antlers and they're disgusting. I want to know if we ever see a chaos demon in the show. I feel like we do. I honestly feel like we do. Anyway, so uh, she only did it to hurt me. So I said, I'm not putting up with this anymore. And she said, fine. And I said, yeah, I've got an unlife to live, you know. And she said, uh, we could still be friends. God, I'm so oh. unhappy. He like leans over on, on Willow's shoulder, mm. like smells her neck. That smell. <laughs> then he wants to eat her. Yeah. <laughs> I haven't had a woman in weeks. Well, unless you count that shopkeeper. <laughs> so, anyway, Willow impressively puts her goddamn foot down. She and, really does. Yeah, she's like, no, there there will be no bottles through the faces or, or eating me or having me of any kind. And I'll do your stupid spell and blah. She gives some reservations that it might not even work because she's not a real witch. And then he responds with, well... If at first you don't succeed, I'll kill him, and you'll try again. And he's got this big fucking grin on his face. (laughs) It's like the first time he's been happy since he's been on screen. Yep. (laughs) He does love his violence. Yeah. Oh, a spikety spike. We should figure out what kind of deal this is. I mean, is it a gathering, a shindig, or a hootenanny? Well, gathering is brie, mellow song stylings, shindig, dip. Less mellow song stylings, perhaps a large amount of malt beverage, and hoot nanny. Well, it's chock full of hoot, just a little bit of nanny. Cut to the library where Buffy is jump roping. And Oz and Cordy run in, all worried because they kind of found some signs of struggle where they were supposed to meet Willow and Xander. They're like, oh good, you're here. And she goes, well, not all of us had dates tonight. <laughs> <laughs> and honestly... It shows some growing in Buffy that she doesn't seem the least bit bitter about it. Yeah, and that she didn't feel the need to, or the obligation, to tag along. Exactly. But they go to the chem lab that's that's torn up. Why the fuck they were meeting at the chem lab, specifically for bowling, that makes no goddamn sense. If y'all have separate vehicles, meet at the fucking bowling alley. What the fuck are you going to the school for? Yeah... (sighs) Anyway, so Buffy says, uh, Cordelia and Oz, you go find Giles. And she gives them this vague but somehow precise location 
And Oz just happens to know the clearing in the woods that she speaks of. I think he knows the clearing in the woods that she speaks of because potheads. Uh, probably. And so she runs off to search for Willow and Xander in case they didn't wander off too far. And Buffy then gets a call. Yep. As she, goes, she, goes, she goes to the library to get weapons. Yep. Gets a call from Joyce. And she hears Spike's voice in the background. As he steps through the door and says, hello, Joyce. Take no hesitation whatsoever to fucking bolt out the goddamn door. Zero. That's my slayer. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Uh, so cut to Buffy's house. Oh, this is a great scene. With the second greatest Spike <laughs> Joyce scene ever. Yep. So Spike is having hot cocoa with Joyce. <laughs> I thought it was tea at first, but then he mentions marshmallows. I didn't even realize there was a beverage involved. Yeah. I thought he just wanted some little tiny marshmallows. <laughs> <laughs> That's why I was laughing my ass off at the counter earlier. So oh, it was really good. <laughs> and uh, he's just, he's literally going through the exact same speech with yeah. Joyce that he just got done with with Willow. And she goes, she sounds very unreasonable. <laughs> Oh, she's out of her mind. That's what I miss the most about her. Do you have any of those little marshmallows? And she, well, <laughs> Joyce is like, well, Spike, sometimes when two people seem right for each other, their lives just take different paths. Says, no, this is different. Our love was eternal. Literally. He's like, that's when he asked for the marshmallows. But yep. my question here, does she know he's a vampire? Yes, I think she does. She, I mean, I guess she would have to at this point. I don't know. So Angel spots Spike through the window because he's doing his lurky thing. Yeah, he's he's lurking hardcore. Sure is a good thing he was, I guess, even yeah. though Joyce would have fucking been fine until <laughs> Buffy got there. My favorite part, though, is Angel comes running up to the door, but he can't enter because he hasn't been reinvited yep. since he was without a soul and they fixed that. You problem. know, this was a golden fucking moment because Joyce still thinks that Angel's evil <laughs> yep. and that Spike's okay for some reason because Buffy invited him in that one right? time. Joyce is standing there and like telling Angel to fuck off and Spike is behind her, like, making cartoonish motions at biting her <laughs> neck. And just, oh, my God, it's just golden. Absolutely gold. And she, as she's telling him, if you don't leave this house, I will stake you myself. And Spike's just, like, pointing at Joyce, like, yeah, what she said. But Buffy shows up, grabs <laughs> Spike, slams him on the fucking counter, just very casually says, Angel, you should come in now. Mm-hmm. <laughs> And Joyce is, uh, understandably, quite confused. Yep. And so they, they suss out of him really quickly that he's got Willow and he needs her for a spell. And if he gets his spell, they get Willow and Xander back and everything will be hunky fucking dory. Quick question. If Willow gave Spike the list of shit that she needs for the spell, why didn't he just go back to the magic shop and get the shit from the list in the first place? I assumed that he needed to pick up a book. So was he waiting for Buffy at Buffy's house? I is, don't know. Is that the point there? I don't know. Because I assumed that she needed, that Willow needed the book that she had left at the lab. I don't know. Yeah. So that's an excellent question. And I think that's just a big fat plot hole that we get to deal with. Yeah. For the rest of our lives. Cut to Cordy and 
Oz traveling <laughs> from one location to another. So we finally get to see some time with these two without the rest of the gang. Brief though it may be. And it doesn't feel like they've spent any time together before this. Not really, no. They're driving along, and they don't even get out to the fucking woods because Oz smells Willow. And Cordelia was expressing some concern that they'd been kidnapped by Colombian drug lords, and, oh, no, they could be cutting his ear off right now, and then Oz smells Willow, and she's like, oh, God, I hope that's like some sort of residual werewolf thing, and... For all the praise that I give Seth Green, the man cannot mime or mimic the proper, like, smelling of things. There's not enough facial expression in it to really sell that he is smelling Willow to me. Yeah. Moving on to uh, the magic shop? Well, or no, to outside Spike... Um, Spike, Angel, and Buffy. And Spike is sobering up. (laughs) Yes. He wishes he were dead. Buffy's all too happy to oblige. She says, well, if you close your eyes and wish real hard. (laughs) And Angel stops her because they still need him. And Buffy's like, well, they're probably just locked up in the factory. (laughs) And she's absolutely right. And Spike is having a difficult time hiding it. He doesn't do well. How thick do you think I am? And obviously that thick. Yeah. So. But they're walking along and they stop at a bench and Spike gets all reminiscent and mopey about this fucking bench because this is where they killed a homeless person <laughs> together. He begged for mercy and and it only made a bite harder, of course. I guess he had to be there. Like, monotone. Just perfect. <laughs> yeah. They it- are so tired of Spike's shit and I love it. I'm having serious dating with a werewolf, and I'm studying witchcraft and and killing vampires. It's like a drug. So now they're in the magic shop. Buffy really kind of lays it out for Spike of calling him the sh- a shell of a loser. Yeah. Cue the best goddamn speech in the episode yeah can't even really call it a villain speech because it's just a fucking good speech it really is yeah it's such a good line yeah but it starts off with him commenting on angel and buffy you're not friends you'll never be friends you'll be in love until it kills you both you'll fight and you'll shag and you'll hate each other until it makes you quiver But you'll never be friends. Love isn't brains, children. It's blood. Blood screaming inside you to work its will. I may be love's bitch, but at least I'm man enough to admit it. That line. I've been waiting for that line. That is one of my favorite Spike lines of all time. Yeah. That's my Spikety Spike. (laughs) So we cut to the factory basement where Xander's waking up. He's coming to Willow's trying fruitlessly to break through the door with her shoulder. Willow, you're too tiny for such nonsense. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, nonsense, girl. Do sit down. This is when we get to see the the full wound on the side of his head and Xander got fucked up. (laughs) They used the thick blood makeup for this one. More importantly, he has the symptoms of a pretty fucking heavy duty concussion. Oh, God, yes. He's dizzy and nauseous. 
He doesn't fully remember what happened. Like, he is fucked up. Yes, he is. Willow starts to try and help him up out of the bed, and he, like, collapses to the floor, and he's like, when he comes back, I'm gonna make my move. As long as my move doesn't involve standing up or using my limbs, we'll be okay. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Well, she's explaining the situation to him, and she says, he wants me to do a a love spell. Drusilla broke up with him. And Xander responds, gee, and we'd all hoped these crazy (laughs) kids would make it work. Yep. (laughs) I'm like, well... We still got Xander anyway. But they, after he goes onto the floor, they have a slight moment and they're looking longingly into each other's eyes and they start to kiss and she's like, oh, we can't do that. And he says, how about an exemption for impending death situation? Mm -hmm. And so they kiss and obviously this is when Oz and Cordy walk in and no one heard them open the door. Honestly, this was the one time where I was like, okay, I kind of fucking agree with your logic on this one. You feel like you're probably going to die and you have excellent, outstanding evidence supporting this theory. Yeah. But then this also is the one fucking time that these two twats actually walk in on you making out. Yeah. What the actual fuck? Oz is Oz and stoic and stunned. Doesn't make any really real facial expression. Just kind of stands there. Cordy is shocked to hell. Obviously well actively hurt. Mm-hmm. And she storms off but crashes through the fucking stairs mm-hmm. and lands on some fucking rebar and gets impaled. Well, and I kind of got the impression that Oz was upset, but he was able to prioritize everybody's well-being yeah. over being upset. Cordy obviously overcome by the situation. Yes. Which is, is fair because, honestly, she deals with a lot less weird bullshit than Oz does. He's a fucking werewolf. He is a fucking werewolf. She is not as well-equipped to deal with this sort of shit. Yeah. That makes sense. So she's impaled with rebar and it looks like it's through a fucking lung to me. It's it's too low to be a lung. Yeah. It it is through maybe her intestines, but not but it like they it's off to the side on the left. It's below her ribs. All right. I'll take your word for it. And then we're back outside. Yep. And they've got just all outside the, the magic shop. Yeah. Outside the magic shop. They've got all the stuff that they all the stuff that they need. Uh, Buffy starts to push about getting Xander and Willow back and Spike's Spike's like, oh, what's your rush? And Buffy's like, well, my intense desire to have you out of my life. And he's like, oh, just a few short hours. No trouble at all. And then they get surrounded by vampires. Yep. And it's it turns out it's Spike's old coven by Lenny. And Lenny is one goofy-looking vampire. Yeah, he is. (laughs) He looked like he was missing a chromosome, not that there's anything wrong with that. He looked very Mm Cro-Magnon. And not to say the actor looked Cro-Magnon. Yeah, no, I I think the actor just had a funny-looking face. (laughs) That's what was going on there. So... 
and a fight ensues. And honestly, of the three people that you're going to jump, the three people you don't want to jump as a group of vampires are these three people. Yeah. And well, they even gave Buffy and Angel the chance to walk, but they needed Spike. Yeah. And so, cool. Big fight scene. They gave Spike a slight benefit of the doubt that he didn't deserve, that he didn't put them in the factory. Right? Yeah. (laughs) Anything for Xander and Willow, I guess. Yeah. Anyway, big fucking fight scene. They wind up holing up in uh, in the magic shop again. The whole sequence, this whole fight, they range the whole out side set outside the magic shop which includes the coffee shop that we've seen in previous episodes uh-huh and it's a great fight scene that that takes place over the whole space and they end up back in the the magic shop there's a quick cut back to the lair where we see xander climbing down to help cordelia yep and willow's like don't move cordelia oz went to get help and then back to the fight scene yep where uh they're planning to make a break for the roof But the vampires are breaking in through the door and they're working on breaking in through the window. This sequence of scenes between the three of them, Angel, Buffy, and Spike, really showcases how much more chemistry there is between James Marsters and Sarah Michelle Gellar than there is between Sarah Michelle Gellar and David Boreanaz. Yeah. Well, I think James Marsters is simply capable of generating chemistry with whomever the fuck he chooses. And you know, that's probably true. Because there are actors out there like that who everybody wants to act with them because it's just so easy and natural because they're just that good. Yeah, that's fair. They say young people don't learn anything in high school nowadays, but um, I've learned to be afraid. So what was the uh, story about that alligator? So after the cut, we, we get more of a good fight scene here. Lenny is taunting Spike and says that he's soft like baby food. Uh huh. Spike is like, well, how about, how about giving baby a taste and starts <laughs> whooping some ass. And whoop ass he does. <laughs> he, at one point, he's slamming Lenny onto a table. And he's like, does baby like his supper? <laughs> you know what he did, Rex? <laughs> what did he do, Josh? He opened up Lenny's asshole. Really? He stepped inside. And he closed the door behind him. Did he leave some Snickers wrappers? And some holy water. <laughs> knocking over bottles of holy water. Oh, my God. It is... It is the true comeback of Spike that we have been looking for. (laughs) It's splendid. Positively splendid. He's like, why doesn't baby have a nap? Slams his face right on the fucking edge of the table. (laughs) It's a brutal beating. Yeah. This is when Angel and Buffy notice that there's a whole fuck ton of holy water in this magic shop. And that the window is about to, the barricade on the window is about to be broken down by another four or five vampires. They start grenading with some holy water. The vampires run away like they fucking should. They really shouldn't have tried to tussle with these three in the first fucking place. In the first place. But, you know, they had no, they had no their fun. head up their ass. That Spike had been gone for a while. They thought he went soft. Maybe they thought they'd have it easy, but they were dumbasses. Yeah, and maybe they didn't know who Angel or Buffy were. I don't know. Spike has a great line at the very end of here. Uh, he goes, that was fun. Buffy looks at him skeptically. He says, oh, don't tell me you didn't have fun. Been so long since I had a decent spot of violence. 
really puts things in perspective. <laughs> and so Buffy's like, all right, well, let's hurry up and get this fucking spell out of the way. I, you know, paraphrasing, obviously. And Spike says, oh, sod the spell. Your friends are at the factory. I've been all wrongheaded about this, weeping, crawling, blaming everybody else but me. I want Drew back, but I've just got to be the man I was. The man she loved. I've got to do what I should have done in the first place. Find her, tie her up, torture her until she (laughs) likes me again. Love's a funny thing as he walks out. Dear listeners, do not take Spike's advice on how to get someone to love you again. He's evil. At least at least don't take it literally. <laughs> right. Yeah. No, um actually definitely take his advice and only tie somebody up and torture them if it's consensual. Yeah. All right. Some people are into that. We don't kink shame here at Beer with Buffy. Yeah, safe words, all right? <laughs> safe words are important. Very important. <laughs> Banana. That's not the safe word. I know. Banana. <laughs> Oh my! Oh, oh god! You know where the banana goes, right? I think we should have banana. safe words for social interactions. Banana. So, like, when specific people that we don't want talking to us walk up to us and start talking out to us, we can be like banana, and they just walk away. <laughs> it's a kind of torture. I like that idea. I'm gonna do that. Um, we get a fake out here of Cordy dying. They do it really well. If I didn't already know that she lived, I would have been really skeptical. Yeah, so they come back to the factory and she's all like, she's like, Xander, I can't, I can't see. And cut to the graveyard with the funeral music playing. I'm actually disappointed though, because she, I thought at first when she's like, Xander, and this long pause, I'm like... No, this is when she needs to say fuck off and leave. <laughs> or or that she's like purposely faking dying to fuck with him. <laughs> I mean, she's in fucking shock. She's got a big fucking piece of rebar through her torso. I I think she has enough wherewithal to fuck with Xander even when in shock. Maybe. Willow is sad about Oz, doesn't know how to deal with the situation. Oz isn't really talking to her right now. This is as Buffy and Willow are walking past the graveyard. And talking about how Cordy's fine, but in the hospital. Mm -hmm. Willow feels super, super bad. And she's ready to grovel with Oz. Buffy approves. Cut, Cut to the hospital. Fairly quick scene. Xander brings some flowers to Cordelia. And she lays it out hard and straight. She tells him to fuck right off. She is fucking done and not mincing words about it. She tells him to fuck off as clear as you can without using those words and being on normal cable television. (laughs) Yeah. All she says is, Xander, stay away from me. And he leaves. Yeah, it's harsh and deserved. And there it is. So to the mansion... Where, you know, I, there wasn't really any other good spot for a, a dramatic reading. So he, <laughs> here it is. Oh, we are going to get a dramatic. Excellent. We are getting a fucking Yay! dramatic reading today. We haven't today. had one of these in quite a long while. Well, I'm going to have to pare down my spike speeches so much. We have to fill it out somehow. Right. So uh, Buffy says, 
I can fool Giles. <laughs> and I can fool my friends, but I can't fool myself. <laughs> or for some reason, Spike, what I want from you, I can never have. You don't need me to take care of you anymore, so I'm going to go. Angel says, I don't accept that. Buffy says, you have to. <laughs> Look, there's got to be some way we can still like see each other or something. <laughs> there is. Tell me that you don't love me. And she walks off. Awkward silence. And she's like, that's all the answer I needed. But she doesn't say that. So. And Cue the sad piano. <laughs> I mean, they say ex-lovers who are still friends either are still in love or they never were. Or, as I like to amend, we're one of each. Yeah. Yeah. And we know for a fact that Angel was unquestionably in love with Buffy because he wouldn't have gotten his soul back had he not been. Well, they're definitely both just still fucking in love. Yeah. Obviously. And shit's just going to go down the same way it did before if they stay together. Yeah. Angel, there is a bright side here, Angel. Don't feel too bad. You get your own TV show. Before that, though, <laughs> you have good, solid foundation for even more brooding. Like, you can take your brooding to the next level now. You have no idea how broody <laughs> I am, Buffy. You got no idea how broody I'm going to be. I'm going to be 50 times as broody as I ever was, Buffy. Damn it. Buffy, don't you know how broody I'm going to be? And you're welcome for teeing that the fuck up. Gonna have my own TV show, Broody. <laughs> We're gonna name it Broody, Broody Angel Broody. I'm just gonna change my last name to Broody Angel. I kind of wish they did name the show Broody. <laughs> Something like that. So, and then uh, <sighs> cut to despondent sad montage. Yeah, uh, Willow in her room staring at the Pez dispenser. Oz at the bronze holding his guitar but not playing. Xander in the library of all fucking places putting some books back. Oh, is that what it, Yeah, he was doing that. Cordy in the in the hospital kind of staring into the middle distance. Yeah, I mean, this episode just did not turn out well for any... Wait a second. Someone's happy. Someone had a good Who's episode. Who's happy? I'm not sure, Rex. Why don't you tell me who had a good time this episode? Spike. Spike. Had the best time. Spikey, 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 spike, spike. <laughs> and you know what? You know who had a good time because Spike had a good time? I had a good time. <laughs> As did I, because that's my spikey, spike. God uh, damn it. He's driving in the middle of the day, rocking out to some good, solid English punk. Yes. Oh. Well, it's a punk remix of Frank Sinatra's yeah. My Way. Well, and this scene where he's driving his car with that one little rectangular peephole in the fucking windshield, I specifically referenced, I think, season one. No, it would have been season two because we were talking about Spike, obviously, where I was like, that doesn't fucking work at all. Right. But I think I brought this up the first episode that we ever saw Spike. 
I think it could work as long as he isn't driving in a direction that allows for the sun to directly beam through that little fucking square that he's looking through. And he was. Yeah. <laughs> um, but no, he's he's rocking out to the Sex Pistols covering my way. And it's it's the spike that we have grown to love and that we missed dearly. And now he's leaving Sunnydale and I'm fucking sad again. Yeah. He'll be back. Ger arg. Gerarg. Ladies, gentlemen, spiny-headed little creatures. As soon as the sun goes down, 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 down. As soon as the sun goes down, 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 down. Competition is a beautiful thing. Cheers, Spike. We missed you. Fucking cheers. Spike is the best subject of a fucking Creature of the Week episode. <laughs> <laughs> Because that's really what this is, but their creature of the week is someone they've brought back. And a, that's it's a real character. Yeah. Yeah. A recurring. How'd you feel about this episode? Well, I fucking loved it, Rex. <laughs> exactly. It was fucking amazing. <laughs> I'm offended that you're even asking. What was last episode? I, this episode was so good. I can't remember what the fuck last yeah, episode was. I don't know. Some <laughs> shit about something that happened at some point with some people. Right? Probably. <laughs> um, Band Candy. Last episode was Band Candy. No, it was... Re- <laughs> that was two episodes ago. Was it? Last episode Jesus. was Revelations with the new Watcher. Oh! And the glove. Oh. Uh-huh. I actually thought that was a pretty solid episode, but this one just fucking overshadows this, it this so well. This one blew it out of the fucking water, yeah. Because that was a Creature of the Week episode that changed it up a bit as well. Yeah. Yeah. They've gotten better about the Creature of the Week episodes. They really have. No, the whole show, on the whole, Mr. Bigglesworth, is uh, <laughs> is just evolving, and they're really getting their sea legs, and I'm having a great time. There is obvious change from season one to season two, but season two stays pretty static through most of the season, but season three, I think, progresses a slow evolution from season two to season four as a gradual change better than any other season that we've seen thus far. I'll take your word for it. Here comes the really difficult question, Josh. What's your quote of the day? I kind of know. I know what my quote of the day is. Go ahead and do your quote of the day first. Obviously, my quote of the day has to be because it is my favorite spike quote, period. I may be love's bitch, but at least I'm man enough to admit it. Bam! Oh, that's a solid fucking quote. Oh, it's so good. That is a good fucking quote. It is my number one favorite quote, followed up very, very closely by Button Button, who's got the button? (laughs) My money's on the witch. Ah, I did a sketch in high school that was loosely based on that phrase. So, Josh, what's your quote of the day? Well, my quote of the day, I'm going I'm to give you my runner-up first and then my actual quote of the day. So, my runner-up is, uh, Joyce says, well, she sounds very unreasonable. <laughs> <laughs> and Spike says, oh, she's out of her mind. That's what I miss the most about her. <laughs> it is a great quote. <laughs> and uh, and then, But my actual quote of the day has just got to be, Joyce cues it up with, 
Well, Spike, sometimes when two people seem right for each other, their lives <laughs> just take different paths. And Spike says, no, this is different. Our love was eternal, literally. Do you have any of those little marshmallows? <laughs> just because I haven't laughed that hard in a while. Oh, man. This whole fucking episode was just gold. <laughs> yeah. Oh, spikey spike. Come back. We miss you. Sit. Stay a while. <laughs> Take your shoes off. Take your pants off. Or, uh, um. <laughs> What's. I think you went a little too far there. No, not at all. <laughs> <laughs> so, this has been Beer with Buffy. Don't forget to follow us on Twitter, like us on Facebook. You can review us on iTunes. We'd be pleased as punch if you review us on iTunes. That's one of the best ways you can help us. Speaking of, uh, we're still doing our t-shirt contest where you can win the very first Beer with Buffy t-shirt anywhere from June through August. Just submit an iTunes review. Check out our full contest details on patreon.com slash beerwithbuffy. You can always contact us at beerwithbuffy at gmail.com or leave us a voicemail or a text at 269-743-0783. As always, a big shout out to Benjamin Alexander and Reggie Page for all of our music. This has been Beer with Buffy. I'm Josh. I'm Rex. Have a good night. Spikey, 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 spike, spike! <laughs> done why are we watching this <laughs>